Welcome back to Dr. Me First. It's your always perky and sassy host, Dr. Erin Wiseman. Yes, I am your colleague in medicine and more so your coach in life. Hey, thanks for coming back and joining me today on episode number 38. I'm really excited about all these conversations I have had with our female colleagues. You're getting some laughs, you're getting some encouragement, you're getting inspiration to see what other fierce females are doing around the nation with their life and their practice, and I'm just so grateful to be able to share them all with you. Well, like I mentioned, today is episode number 38, and I am talking with Dr. Dana Rice. She is a urologist who has come up with a really amazing app to track UTIs. She wanted to do it because she was tired of doing the same speech in the office, but also to empower us, her colleagues, to give something to patients so that they could be better informed about their own bodies and then also report off to us more accurately. I think you're really going to love it. Her word is supporting. I really think it fits in exactly with what she's doing, but also how she's living her life. So here we go into the conversation and make sure you stick around afterwards for that kick of encouragement. Here we go. I am back again with a very special guest, Dr. Dana Rice, and she is going to tell you guys how freaking amazing she is in her own introduction. Hi, how are you? Thank you all for listening. So I am a urologist in the D.C. area, and on top of that, I am a mom of two children who are now six and three magically this month, which makes Christmas holidays insane in my house. And I have also developed my own app. So when I was having my children and needed a little extra time and things to do and stuff like that, of course, because, you know, that's what everyone needs, right, when you're having kids on maternity leave, I decided that, you know, it's such an underserved women's health area, urinary tract infections, that um, I would develop a doctor's visit in an app and how to do prevention and see where it went with there. So I wear one too many hats pretty much every day, all day, but I love my insanity. Girl, you're speaking my language. My <laughs> husband was just telling me that the other day. He was like, when are you going to stop picking up projects, damn it? And I'm like, yeah. never, never. <laughs> I love this I too much. I think it's med school. I'm not really sure what it is, but it's really hard to be idle. Like, I'm pretty good on a vacation for about 24 to 48 hours. And then, thank goodness, my husband is an active guy too. Because if I'm not, you know, playing volleyball or biking with the kids or doing something, then nobody wants to be around me. Yeah, I've really had to learn in the last several months, like, am I moving to distract myself or am I moving because I want to do something? You know, because sometimes I'm avoidant about like just sitting with myself. Uh, Well, you know, I think it really comes down to how we train, right? Like you never had time. Like there was always something else you had to do. And then all of a sudden, unfortunately, when you do have free time, at least for me, where do I want to channel that energy? Because I don't necessarily want to read more CME, right? Like I don't want to be only a urologist. I love doing other things, but I don't have the time to be good at other things. You know, my girlfriends who have sort of nine to five jobs, they can go to like hot yoga, Pilates every Tuesday, Thursday night from nine, but I don't have that reliable of a schedule. So I'm trying to find activities that you can kind of pick up here and there. And this is one of the reasons why I love doing these podcasts. I've done a couple now with a few different female physicians and it's fun because it's people who are doing the same type of stuff in a different way. And it's great to see other people out there. Yeah. And just to know that it's an option, you know, I think it's so fun. Like when I meet new guests and that we find we have so many things in common, I'm like, well, hot damn, I 
yeah, yeah, best friends all over the place. You got it. There's a lot of us. And the thing is, is I, I mean, you've touched on it in your So Me Docs episode, but like when you put yourself out there, it's very scary because you don't want to make a mistake, right? You don't want to give wrong information. And for me with my app, that was something that I really struggled with too, because I give the same speech all day, every day, because I'm a female urologist in the DC area with, you know, a more affluent population. And let's face it, when a 22 year old in college gets a UTI, they can show up. They don't need a referral from anybody. They can just come to me and say, hey, I have a UTI. So I'm seeing a lot of things that maybe in other places wouldn't be in front of a surgeon, but I couldn't believe how many I was seeing. And then every girlfriend I've ever met or known and myself has had a UTI in their lifetime. And everyone knows it's awful, right? Like you want help right then because it feels so miserable. So as I've sort of gone through these projects and sort of done things, I in my own mind was naive and thought, hey, this will just take off. All I need is like a Kardashian or somebody to tweak this and then I'm fine. And then now in the back end, I'm trying to put it all together. And I'm always afraid, like, is something in my app wrong? Like, is, is somebody judging me that I didn't give quite the right information? And really, it's, I've sort of learned you do the best you can and you try to get everything out there and hopefully it will slowly catch on over time. Absolutely. Like we do. I mean, there's so many things in every specialty that you feel like a broken recorder on, you know, you say the same spiel, you know, we all have our own spiels that we do and you're so right. Like there's, I know that as we put new things out and that it's that fear of like, Oh my God, am I telling him the right thing? But then you have to remind yourself, you're like, I'm a doctor. I got this, you know, to put it. I know where I get worried is like, on the legal side or like the business side, like those things that I'm not quite sure about, but I think, you know, that's where I get hung up on it too. And you're right. It's just taking that like one step. It's like just putting it out there a little bit at the time. And then you pivot. Like when something happens, you're like, Oh yeah, we got to change that. Right. Well, and, and like you said with the legal side and all that, like I don't give medical advice. I just kind of lead people in the right direction or tell them sort of generic things that can happen. And it's hard to know exactly, you know, how other people's spiels would go or what else is out there. And that's why reaching out to the medical community is cool too, because I mean, as a urologist, I give the same speech all the time, but if I was an ER doc, I can't imagine that they have the time to sit down with every 20 year old that walks in there with this urea and say, are you switching holes when you have sex? Do you wash? Do you pee? Do you do all these things? And that's what I think the app is good for because it gives an education center that talks about all that. So the docs don't have to spend as much time. And then also, let's be honest, it's one of those fields where it gives the patient something to do because everybody wants to focus on it. So if you start tracking your symptoms, then you kind of know where to focus your doctor visits. But as the creator of that app, when I put that out there, it's one of those, I hope I'm steering people in the right direction and that, you know, we get good information out there. And like you said, leap of faith. Just I think you're doing do amazing it. work. I'm a Facebook stalker <laughs> on you, and I think it's Thank awesome. You. Like when I saw that you developed your own app, I was like, "Holy hell! She made her own app. That is so I awesome." I know. A little, a little misleading. I have developers, so I did not like write the code for my app. I but did. Still, it's a big deal, yeah. though. It's like when people write a book or you know develop some big, big like a biomedical thing. I'm just always floored by how the creativity, you know, that other people can do. And so I think it's awesome. Well, it's, it's actually really fun. And like when I first started doing it, I, I basically do it all in a moleskin notebook, like literally like what used to carry it on residency for your case logs. And 
I kind of sketch out different ideas here and there. And I have a couple different ones for different types, not just UTIs. And I was like, I'll just do one. UTI is going to be the most, you know, prevalent in the market because there's a million girls, you know, worldwide that have this. And like, once that's successful, I'll do my next one. And then I got into it and everyone's like, so what's your business plan? And I'm like, hmm, yeah, don't. I'm just rolling with one it. Of those. Yeah, I was like, I kind of got, so I got the horse in front of the cart a little bit in that regard. So now we're trying to like backpedal and like try to see how we get out there because I literally was naive enough to think, this is going to go on Twitter. Every girl in America is going to love this. And then we'll move on to the next thing. And it's funny because when we first did it, we put it out for 99 cents. And the feedback we got was it can't be a real doctor's app because no doctor would have an app for 99 cents. Oh. Yeah. So then I like kind of rechanged things. And now everyone's like, well, you need a business model. And, and I work full time. I mean, I work real full time. I'm a, in a very busy practice and I don't, have time to do that. And I know people are like, well, I cashed in my 401k and went all in with my company. Those women are amazing because I That's do baller. not have, yeah, I don't have the balls to do that. Just yeah. flat out. Like I, I love what I do. I love being a surgeon. I love to operate and I cannot imagine taking what I've done so far and just cashing it in on a wing and a prayer that this thing works. Like I, I'm not, I love what I do, but that is too much. Yeah. Well, I know too, like I have to weigh that. Like when people are like, oh, you need a business plan and you've got to have a six month outlook and you've got to have a social media calendar and blah, 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 blah. Cause I do life coaching on the side. You know, some of it, I look at it and I'm like, yes, I understand the structure of it. But I also know that I am an intelligent enough female that there are some things I'm going to do and other things I'm just not going to, you know, I think you have to like pick your poison as far as with that. And I understand like having a business plan, if you're going to go to the bank and like borrow a shit ton of money, but like you're saying, like, I think you can do things appropriately for the level that you're at and then just see what develops. Well, and that's why, like when we talked about a word to sort of wrap the episode around, I, I pick supporting because at this point, I'm sort of supporting my passion and supporting education for patients. And my thing is, is, part of the reason why I was surprised too, is I don't know if you're a part of PMG or not, but the Facebook group with all the moms. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought, you know, oh, I, I sort of support everybody on there. Like, you know, my kids in a Lego contest, please vote for me and all that kind of stuff. So when I first thought, that this app was going to launch, I thought, I didn't realize the rules exactly, I guess. So I kind of thought, hey, it's a whole bunch of docs, put it up there, and I'll have this huge, broad base of women just supporting me and downloading, and that's going to help disseminate the information. And then I was kind of shocked because that didn't happen. And then I've sort of met a lot more of the, I don't know if you want to call it specific groups, but like the physician entrepreneurs and the physician side gigs and you know, there's little things here and there. And then those people like yourself, and there's quite a few other people out there are now so sort of supporting. And it's so great to be part of everybody's thing because you realize, you know, it doesn't matter if you're doing podcasting or an app or even people who like review charts who are on these side gigs. There's so many things you can learn from different parts of medical yeah. You know, I loved your word when you said supporting, because I really think that goes back to the heart of what all of our purposes when we're taking care of our colleagues, like exactly like you said, like PMG, it's gotten to be such a big group and there's rules like you can't do self promotion and blah, 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 that I'm the same way. I love jumping in those like subcategory groups. I love um, the female physician entrepreneur group. I love yeah. Somi docs. I love the side gigs group because it's like 
it's distilled down like all those people who are takers they're not in those groups it's like yeah. the people who want to support each other and it is it's amazing because what I can learn from you from your experience you can learn from me from my experience and we have a shared experience together of medicine that brought us together that I think I think that's so important because when you truly are supporting somebody and you are there for their best interest of course they're going to throw kudos back at you. Of course they're going to support your business because they know your authentic heart. Right. Well, and, and I agree. I mean, that's the thing is I will, I love supporting other people and I especially love supporting other physicians because I mean, I'm not in a super female friendly environment. My partners yes. are amazing, right? I work, I have, I have five partners now and they're amazing. But when we hit things in sort of the business world or in our big organization and stuff, I run into a lot of, Oh, she's the girl okay, thanks. Well, now there's two other girls. So now there's three of us out of six. So how do you like me now? Right. And there's a lot of that. And I, I love that in like Sharon and in, in the female uh, entrepreneurs group, and then, you know, Dana with so many docs and all that stuff, they're just putting themselves out there and connecting people in a way that not only can you learn, but you also, you also get motivation to support other people. Because my whole thing with the app was the the whole purpose of the app too is to give a platform to support patients and other physicians and education. So when I when I made my app, I really had two motivating factors, right? Like for myself, it was so I didn't have to give the same speech a hundred different times. And that's where I look at it from the doctor's angle. Like how can I make it easier for docs to get a voiding diary that doesn't look like chicken scratch? And I incorporated that into my app. So now my patients email me a nice spreadsheet that takes me 30 seconds to look over and it does the math for me on the bottom. So I know how much you peed all day. So that was nice. But then the other thing is moving into digital health and social media and all these new avenues, telehealth and ways that I think that physicians kind of need to take the bulls by the horn and support each other through how these avenues are going to go before we get into a place where, we insurance don't companies yeah or yeah. legal people or all these other things like you can get way too much information and then I mean anyone listening who's a physician knows that if somebody comes in and has already done Google research if you have a 15-minute appointment some of those people you have to spend 13 minutes redirecting their research and then you only have a few minutes left to give them what we consider medical advice and then there those people get really angry and for some structures, you know, it's based on patient surveys. And I don't think patients know that there are physicians that are paid in some practices on bonus structures and things by what patients write in those surveys, because everyone thinks surveys are to make people better, but sometimes they're punitive Absolutely. and it, it's changing medicine. And I don't think if we, I think if we don't support each other through this change that we're going to find ourselves way behind the eight ball. That's one thing, just thinking about your word supporting, like I was talking with one of our female colleagues that was um, a residency friend of mine, and her organization had recently started using patient surveys and some other measures, but they're now ranking doctors in the organization against each other. And so I was supporting her in that and being like, that is total bullshit. And because, you know, I, I, I understand the side of the administration. They're, they're trying whatever, their guidelines and everything. But I just go back and look at it for those poor docs who are either starting early in their practice. And you know how it is when you first start practice. You don't get the cream of the crop always as all your patients to build your panel with. 
And so it is punitive at times. And I just, I'm thinking about her now and like, how can I best support her? And my biggest thing was just telling her, your worth is not based on your scoring. Like your personal worth is not rooted in that. But so many times I talk to women physicians, it hurts. It really does hurt these scoring systems. Right. Well, and I, I love that you say that because I find myself in that position fairly often. So I understand too, where they're trying to find some sort of dynamic or some sort of survey where you can make sure that that physicians are all doing the right thing, right? So you want to find a way to weed out the bad apples. And of course, any profession, there are some bad apples. But the problem is, is what a patient perceives as a bad apple doesn't necessarily mean the doctor is a bad apple. So for instance, a lot of times I'll get dinged on wait time because it takes a little while to see me. However, for me, if I have a cancer patient that I'm giving them a diagnosis of cancer and they take 20 minutes out of their 15-minute visit, I'm sitting there and telling them they're okay and that's just me. Yeah. Or Because you're not going to rush them out through that. You're not. Correct. correct. And you don't want to. Or my wait times sometimes are long because I still let patients double book to see me. Like if you have a kidney stone, I will double book you in because kidney stones are miserable. However. Sometimes I will have patients who are double booked in who then yell at me that I'm running behind. And with HIPAA and violations and reviews and all that stuff, I can't say, you're the reason I was behind. I tried to do my best for you. And like you said, for me, I always tease my partners. One of my older partners, I always complain to him all the time. I'm like, how do you not let it eat your soul? Because those reviews, I can't look at them. If I look at them, they literally make me wonder why I'm in medicine. And I know why I'm in medicine. I love it. I don't care about the insurance. I love to operate. I love taking care of people. I love medicine. But all that extra stuff makes people, that for me at least is where the burnout is going to come in. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, think about human psychology where they say it takes seven positives to negate every negative. You know that we're not getting those seven positives. Right. And, and it's always that like that one negative on the survey that you busted your ass for them and then they ding you because they had to pay for lab work for that they asked for. That's what right. gets me, you know, yeah. and, and so I'm exactly 100% with you. What the right answer is, I don't know. Some people, they just say, I don't want to know about it unless it's a big deal. Other people are like, I want to know about everything so I can know how to manage it. You know, and then there's a whole bunch of hybrids in the middle. So I don't know what the right answer is, but I do know that we're doing a lot of wrong with these. And maybe it's the questions at their premise. Maybe, you know, I know some practices are even coaching their patients on like what this question really means. And it's like, to me, that's BS, total BS to tell people the right answers to the questions on the test. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, we need to support each other to find a system that works without having to jump through these hoops because I just don't think that patient care should be driven by by some survey that's dictating what's good or bad. I mean, they basically showed with the opioid epidemic, right? Like adding in the pain scale made it terrible, right? So right. It's, it's kind of one of those things. There's data out there that shows, like, I mean, in my personal opinion, it's kind of likening things to your kids not failing at Little League sometimes, right? You know what? Sometimes not everyone gets a trophy. You'll learn. You'll grow. You'll be fine, you know? But we don't do that either, right? So like our society, and I don't know if it's all social media or I don't know what, I don't know where the change is lying that 
we don't support each other quite the same way. But we should. I mean, we need to form these groups. We need to figure out how to get through it. We need to change the voice. Like Somi Docs, I think, is wonderful about getting out information on how we can help each other and how we can be heard as opposed to, I mean, they call them what, Twitter trolls or whatever, the trolls or whatever they are. Well, you and know? I think so too. We, we really have to drive what the real expectations of what healthcare is. You know, yeah. I've recently made some changes in my own practice and how I'm doing medicine. And one of the questions that I'm really focusing on, on asking every single patient is, why are we having this visit today? You know, because if I can get that up front and I can know like what their expectations are, like if they're coming in for a cold that they started yesterday and they're like, well, I'm here because I want to get a Z-Pack to get ahead of it, then I know how to frame the conversation. And I think right. we need to do that so much more with healthcare and just talk to people because, you know, talking about the spending costs and how we're all burned out. You know, I really think we've got to like rein in people's expectations of, you know, pain. Hey, if you're alive, you're going to have pain. It's just, it is a marker of what is happening. You know, it doesn't mean that you have Lyme disease or that, you know, there's something underneath that we are purposefully and malicely missing on you. That is not our intention at all. Right. And, and just helping people. And I, I'm with you. I think social media, I think the internet has, it's done a lot of good, like your app and empowering people. But I don't think we're driving the conversation well with people and being like, we're not superheroes. You know, right. we, we can't cure all be all. Right. And I feel like those surveys set us up that we're supposed to be. Right. Well, or the problem is, is that there's sort of a, a selfish component now to people that I feel like it maybe wasn't quite there before or whether it's a litigation or whatever it is that you can get the information and people automatically assume that that information is better than my medical degree. And yes, do I have patients who have some obscure disease that know hands down more than I do ever about their autoimmune disease that has this and one of the side effects is blood urine. Of course, when that patient walks in the door, I'm like, okay, give me what you got. Give me your articles. Let me see. I'll let you know or drop it off a week before. So I know what's going on. But other patients perceive that as a weakness. If, they come in with some, you know, article that was printed last night at midnight on JAMA and, you know, the primary care world and subspecialist world don't always match up. So then you kind of have to say, well, listen, I understand where they're coming from. I understand how in their literature that makes sense, but you're here to see me as a urologist and this is how this makes sense. So we have to try to find some middle ground. And I think docs in general need to sort of remember that just because you're taught something, you know, there's a lot of dogma around everything. Medicine's still an art in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's not quite the same as a clock in, clock out. This is always the right answer, black and white type profession. Yeah. One of the best advice I got as I was training was from a, um, he was a hand surgeon and, you know, he would have people come to him with some pretty complex issues or they'd had some you know, injuries or just overall badness. And he said, the one thing that I want you to take away from this rotation is that you never badmouth another colleague because you don't know how that patient was when they saw them or what the condition was at that time. Mm 
And, you know, at the time I'm like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. But as I started um, furthering in my own medical career and, and just seeing him work in those few weeks that we were together, I mean, it absolutely so is true. You don't know what that patient presented like a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, that now right. they're in a, a specialist office or, you know, coming to you differently. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right. And I think that's a great way that we can support each other too. And, and just telling our patient in that, like, I don't know exactly what's happened in the past. I'll get the records. I'll review them. Let's stay focused on the here and the forward. And right. I think that helps frame the conversation too about because, you know, we, we can't doctor bash ourselves because it's just going to lead to more negativity and more dissent among patients. And so it's yep. always a piece of advice I always go back to when I want to like hear somebody's story and think, well, oh my God, what was, what was that person thinking? But then I go back to the advice and I'm like, hey, you don't know what it was. Or, right. it, you know, you can always lay it back to the patient and be like, maybe they didn't tell them. Maybe they didn't right. know that, you know, they had this lump for a year but prior to them seeing. You just don't know. Right. I agree. Yeah. You just don't know. And you have to take every situation a little bit different and roll with the punches. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I appreciate you coming on and hanging with me. Um, for any of our listeners that want to know more about you or download your app or like make every single one of their patients download it, tell me <laughs> where they can find all this information. Yeah, sure. No problem. So for me, I'm my personal Twitter handle and Instagram is Dr. Underscore Dana Rice. Um, and that gets directly to me. And then for the app, we use at UTI Tracker, and that's more on Facebook and um, Twitter and Instagram as well. And that either goes to myself or my husband because we're the only two that are involved in my project. Um, and then for email stuff, info at UTI Tracker or the website, um, utitracker.com, send me a message. I mean, I'll give you business cards. I have little download the app, you know, wallet size um, business cards to hand out to patients. Um, and I'm just trying to get it out there. And if anyone happens to know one of the famous, you know, million dollar Twitter people or Lady Gaga, Kardashians, all that stuff, let me know. I'm happy to tweet at them too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to make UTI Tracker go off the boards. I would love that. Thank you so much for all you do. It was great chatting. Yes, Dr. Friends Unites. Such a great conversation with Dr. Rice, and I'm just so super proud of what she's doing in the field of urology and technology. I just have to give her double high fives today because I think what she is doing is absolutely amazing. And I've actually sat and stewed a little bit on her word of supporting. You know, when I hear support, I automatically think of like support hose and sports bras as a type of support. But I know it goes beyond that. And I was trying to get all life coachy and think of a great analogy and how to talk about building a structure to support you and laying a great foundation. But I'm just going to put it like this and just straight talk and say, if there is an area of your life that you're lacking and that you need support in, your challenge today is to ask for it. Even if it's the most ridiculous request and you feel totally and utterly embarrassed by it, I want you to ask for it. I want you to stop dinking around and thinking, I'll get to it later or there's got to be a better way. And I want you to just ask for help, for support in that area. I don't know what it is in your life. I know I've had even just a lot of really silly things that now that I think about it, in the current space, it seems fine, but 
asking my husband to take the trash out instead of getting frustrated that it's still sitting there. Asking my kids to pick up their junk around the house instead of me deciding to do it on my own. So your challenge today to support yourself is to get out there and go ask for it. And my ask for you today is consider supporting Dr. Me First. Consider supporting this podcast either by coming on and being a guest and joining our voices here or by making a contribution to be a sponsor. I would love to have you either way. And hey, I'm doing my own challenge. I'm asking for it. So I hope that you guys go out into the world, you're encouraged, you're loving your life, and you're loving your practice, and you're always remembering that your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.